What's up? How's it going, coaches? Uh, as you guys already know, I have my week power course on uh, CoachTube. So I was over there. I was checking it out. Uh, when I was on there, I was going through some of their, their listings, uh, some of the other guys they have on there, and I saw a course for Gus Malzahn. Uh, he's got one on there over uh, his no huddle offense and and running a spread no huddle offense. So um, I'm actually in the middle of that right now. Uh, it's been awesome so far. Uh, we've been out of school now for a day, so hopped into my first course of, of somebody else's, and it's been awesome. Uh, it, it's a really good one. Obviously, you know, it's great to learn about all types of offenses. It's not necessarily the offense I run right now, but uh, it's really cool to hear such an explosive offense, how it was taught from the guy who, who taught it. So it's been really interesting so far for me. Uh, I obviously love all the free videos and training installs that there are on YouTube, uh, which is why, you know, me and Coach Walls try to push those out to you guys uh, to bring you that free stuff on YouTube. Uh, but, but I also really enjoy the ability to choose from, you know, thousands of these courses on, on coach tube, you know, the coolest part about it is, is they're actually made as a, a teaching tool. It's designed all to be a teaching tool and it's all kind of underneath one umbrella. You go to one course, if you want to learn, right? Like I am right now from Malzon, you go to Malzon's course, it's all right there. You don't have to search a bunch of different articles and things. It's all brought in under that one umbrella. So saves me a lot of time, kind of what I'm doing right now this summer. And, I, and I'm excited to kind of keep going through that and, and find some more courses that I can learn from. Again, under that all, all under that one umbrella in CoachTube and, and in those courses. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Sideline Power. Sideline Power is the industry leader in coaching communication. Offering cutting-edge technology and innovation, Sideline Power helps coaches around the country elevate their programs to the next level with new and used headsets, end-zone cameras, drones, portable sound systems, timers, and much, much more. Sideline Power works one-on-one with some of the most influential coaches and nationally ranked programs in high school football. They continue to help coaches push the envelope of player and program development. From NFL-level coaching communications to cutting-edge video technology, Sideline Power encompasses a full array of products needed to unleash the full potential of any program. Throughout the expansion of their product offering, Sideline Power has remained committed to offering quality coaching communication at price points for every program. Again, they're family-owned and operated. They are, they are all about quality with a customer-first mentality. Sideline Power is truly the number one choice for coaching communication. Visit them at sidelinepower.com, email them at info at sidelinepower.com, or give them a call at 800-496-4290. Very powerful. Uh, our other podcast sponsor for this episode is Skycoach. Skycoach is a proven sideline replay technology that will give you the advantage over opponents utilizing anything else. With 24-7 support, a flexible network that works in any stadium and any size crowd, and the most reliable, innovative software available. Again, the best part that I love about Skycoach, we use them at Broken Arrow, is the butt shot that we get during the game. I can, they, Kids can come off the field. They can say that it was bare with two extra linebackers in there. You know, they're telling me oh, they've got 15 guys and nine of them are coming off the right side, my right guard is, or, or whatever. And so we can actually sit down, we can look at it. Um, I can talk with the offense coordinator and talk with the kids and we can see exactly what they were in, what they were doing to us so we can uh, get better for the next series and we can change it up next series. Uh, 
To be the best, you must use the best. Don't let your team down by choosing something inferior. Sky Coach is the market leader in sideline replay. And you guys can visit them at myskycoach.com to learn more. And that's going to do it for the reads. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Nick Cadetti. Coach Cadetti is the assistant head coach and OC and strength coach at Tomball High School in Tomball, Texas, which is down in my old stomping grounds really close to, to Houston, Texas. Listen as we talk with Coach Cadetti about his interesting football story and journey, lessons learned from being a young head coach, and a great in-depth conversation about wide zone. You can follow Coach Cadetti on Twitter at Coach Cadetti with two T's and an I at the end. Hope you guys enjoy. All right. Well, well, Coach, we're really excited to have you on. Um, we'll, we'll go ahead and just let you uh, introduce yourself and, and, and kind of what, what's gotten you to the point where you are now coaching. But um, we really wanted to have you on. Everyone we've talked to, especially the, the uh, Hog Football Chat guys, um, but, but really anyone, you know, Texas High School Football Chat, anyone that we've come across said we needed to get you on the podcast. That is just rave reviews about you. So, uh, you know, kind of tell our listeners, tell the people kind of your story and, and how you got to, to where you are now. Well, I'm flattered. I'm flattered. Um, well, I'll tell you about myself. I, uh, I played high school football. I was actually a running back in high school. Uh, I grew up in Philadelphia and moved to Missouri when I was in high school and uh, went to playing running back. Signed with University of Kansas out of high school. Went uh, didn't didn't fit the, the scheme that Mangino had, and I moved to a school called Baker University, right outside of uh, Bertha Lawrence, Kansas, in Baldwin City. Uh, became an offensive lineman within the first year. Put on 90 pounds my freshman year, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then uh, proceeded to play offensive line. Uh, I actually left coach coaches left and went to William Jewell College. Where I finished my career. Uh, I was a two-time All-American at left tackle. Um, played five years professionally, playing ball in Canada, uh, bouncing around some camps. I'm just six foot two, and that's the life of an offensive lineman. Sure. So, uh, and then so I got into coaching. Um, I've been lucky. I've been really lucky. I've met a lot of people. So I've kind of I've kind of bounced around. Did GA work at the Division One level. Did some work at a JUCO level in California. Um, I've been a high school defensive coordinator, high school head coach in Missouri. Um, kind of got burned out being a head coach. I was. 27 when I took 28 when I took that first head job and uh I just wanted to step back and uh, be in this position guy believe it or not and uh took a job in Beaumont Texas I took a wild shot said let's go do it and started working for a guy named Kevin Flanagan who uh, has been a godsend to me uh he's kind of helped me grow as a coach as a man and uh, somehow I ended up being his offensive coordinator and ended up moving with him to Tomball, Texas, right outside of Houston, where I'm his assistant head coach and offensive coordinator and street guy and anything else you can name. So hmm. I'm pretty blessed, pretty lucky, and I'm, I'm happy where I am right now. So, Well, that's awesome. Um, Beaumont and, and Tomball a little bit warmer than, than all your other stops? That was number one. My wife said she wanted to be near a, a warm body of water. I said, well, you know, Beaumont may not be a beach, but it's close enough to me. 
<laughs> in a warm body of water. That was when I, when I first went down to Houston, um, I started moving my stuff into the dorms and I was sweat through my shirt within 10 minutes. Like, geez. Oh, I, I, so I put I on a new people shirt. It's like breathing butter. It's like breathing butter. It's unreal. So, so I put on a new shirt. I went, must've went through four or five shirts through that move. And then I found out really quick within a week, Hey, you're just going to have sweaty shirts the rest of your life that you live here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh i've learned really quickly you can't get too comfortable well that's awesome that you say you know that that you were a head coach so young what you know what were some of the um maybe struggles that you went through uh being a young head coach and not that it's extremely young but it, it's pretty young to get into head coaching and i know um it's that's kind of a cool thing because uh coach walls as well was a a fairly young head coach so i'd kind of like to hear from both of you a little bit but but coach what were some of the things that were maybe difficult because you were such a young coach as a head coach? Well, you know, honestly, the biggest issue I ran into was just really knowing how to deal with parents, um, to deal with parents, deal with boosters, um, dealing with the outside stuff that wasn't football. Um, and, and that's really what was hard on me. Um, nobody really kind of threw me those ropes. And uh, I think I made a lot of mistakes, a lot of trial and error. Um, but the other thing was really, honestly, and somebody asked me the other day, the same as that question, I said, the other thing was, you know, learning, on, learning by fire of the situation of, like, budgeting, of purchasing, of managing. Like, I didn't realize just how much of a management thing it was more than a coaching thing. And that was a struggle for me uh, because I was just a young guy. I said, you know, I thought I knew it. You know, I knew football. And, you know, next thing you know, I remember – sitting on my bed with my wife and just looking at each other going what do I do now because <laughs> it's just like that moment of like I got the job now what <laughs> so that was really my big struggle I, I you know I dealt with I dealt with parents I felt, you know I had a, a struggle with it I'm an emotional guy and uh you know I let things get to me that shouldn't have got to me but you know, for the most part I'm always that's why I moved down here I work for phenomenal parents kind of roll off the shoulders a little bit and you know it's fun, been fun to watch kind of the different type of personality so what about you what about you guys i mean what, what's the big thing that you had going on i dude it was difficult for me i was in a, a small town as well i was in nebraska to came in nebraska and i had okay I, I got the job in like june so you know, they, they, they didn't know who their head coach was going to be all of a sudden now you basically have two months to try to put together a program so not only was I inexperienced, I was, I was also short on time. So that was kind of number one. Then you had to figure out, okay, who's going to coach? So it was me and two other guys. So I'm going to have to be the head coach. I'm going to have to coach defensive backs. I'm going to have to coach the entire offense. I had one guy that could coach the offensive line so I could take all the other skill guys, and I made the other guy the D coordinator. And you had to kind of just – yeah, and you had to kind of slap, slap it all together, and it's like, okay, well, what kind of weight program do they have? Uh, well, we have a weight room. Cool. Okay, that's nice. So, I mean, you know, you're, you're in there. They've got a couple of random pieces of, of weight equipment. You, you put together some squat racks. You start setting up meetings to install the things you want to do. I mean, it was just fast and furious, and there was no way that I was ready for it. You know, same thing. Okay, oh, hey, yeah. here's, here's the cards you guys are going to be selling. We'll go make a little bit of money, but. I mean, it was just it was just a whirlwind that whole first year, and we were bad. And I, you know, I kind of knew it was going to be like that. But at the same time, you're like, 
wow, I learned a ton, even though I really had no one to kind of lean on other than those other two coaches. And it it was all just kind of on me, but it's the same kind of deal. You know, all of a sudden now, Hey, a parent wants to meet with you. Oh yeah. I got to do that. (laughs) You know, (laughs) there was like, there was like no, no preparation to it. It was all just, you know, just response. I just felt like I was not nonstop. What's going to happen next? You know, I I wasn't ever on a schedule. That's, you know, and that's kind of the words I use somebody today is I was reactive and not proactive and it ended up biting me in the butt. You're exactly right. Well, so what's, what's something you guys would, um, if you had a younger coach, would you tell them, Hey, jump into it at a young age and and go be a head coach and and learn a bunch. Or would you tell them, uh, wait till you're a little older and and you know a little bit more and then it'll be an easier time for you. What would you guys kind of point them? What direction? Coach, you go ahead first. I mean, you got quite the story. I mean, you tell me. (laughs) Well, for me, if, if I would go back and do it again, I, I had, I had four job offers and they were all sitting right there. You know, I, I couldn't get a job in Colorado. So literally I had four job offers when I went to Nebraska. So I could have been, you know, a QB coach one place. I could have been a head coach. And then I had a, co- a couple other uh, coordinator positions. And I chose the head coach just being, oh, okay, this will be cool. I can kind of do my thing. If I would go back and do it again, I, w- I would have taken one of the other position jobs just because I, I know I wasn't ready to do it. But you know, at the same time, looking back at it, I think I learned a lot, but I still think I could have learned a lot if I would have worked for maybe another good head coach. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so I, yeah, to me, that's what I, I would have done again. I, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be a head coach again. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm in the same boat. I, you know, I... You know, I actually have a, I have a guy that works for me right now that's really trying to be a head coach, and uh, he's my age. Um, but he's a phenomenal coach, great mind, uh, work ethic is through the roof. You know, and, and he's kind of like, I want, want to, I want to be able to do it. I want to try it. And I said, man, the one thing I got to tell you is, you know, there's a, there's a few rules I have. And, uh, when I tell the guy, those young guys, you know, you better know why you're doing this. Like, why do you want to be a head coach? And it better not just be because I want to do my own thing or I want to be the guy because that's what I do. Yep. And I said, if you don't know why you're doing it, it's going to come, it's going to hurt. I said, and your wife or your significant other better know what you're getting into, buddy, because it's going to, it's going to get real, real quick. <laughs> and I said, the other thing, the last thing is really for me, for those guys, is, you know, realize that you don't know everything, surround yourself with people smarter than you. Because, you know, and that's truly to me, if I could go back and do it, yeah, it was a great experience. We had a, we had to, we had a, we were we were bad early, had some great success later, and you know no matter what I did, I couldn't make people happy there, and that's how I felt. And you know I tell people it's one of those things where you know, I learned a lot about football, I learned a lot about management. You know I wouldn't take those experiences and I wouldn't take those experiences and change them. But the one thing I would do is say I wish I would have gone under like a great head coach and learned how a program really works. Um, because I think I probably would have saved myself some time and a whole lot of heartache. Is that something now that you try to do, um, consciously try to do at, at Tomball, now that you are working for a, a head coach that you said that you admire so much? Is that something where you ask them little questions um, about being a head coach that's maybe away from football, or uh, is that just something that kind of permeates just by you sitting around and, and being around them? 
Well, I think for me, it's a, it's kind of an osmosis thing. It's an organic thing that happens. But at the same time, you know, the guys that I'm surrounded with in Tomball are phenomenal. My athletic director um, is actually like the athletic director in Texas last year and like our entire region. So he's very well thought of. You know, so I seek his advice a lot. My head coach is he's won like 180 games or something like that. And he's a great man. And I'll ask him for advice. And to be honest with you, the guy that I work with, the defensive coordinator, he is uh, – he to me, he's one of the greatest minds I've ever worked with. But he's just – he has the things I don't have. He's super organized. He totally understands that side of the of the head coaching spectrum that I really struggle with. So, I mean, I, I've picked his brain over and over and over. So, I, you better believe if I have an opportunity with a guy who's, who can help me, I'm going to ask. And I'm probably like a 10-year-old kid at times asking, but why? But why? But why? You know, and to me, I, I yeah, take the opportunity. I'm not, I'm in no hurry to be a head coach right now. Kind of like you said, I have no desire right now. And, and when that opportunity comes, I hope I've prepared myself enough. But as of right now, it's love where I'm at, love what I'm learning, and who the guys I'm learning from. I, I, I couldn't agree more, Coach. I think for me now, rather than, you know, when I was younger, I was searching. And and to me now it it just seems like you know you, you sit back you enjoy the the ride that you're on you you learn every single day you push yourself and then that next opportunity just all of a sudden falls out of the sky and all of a sudden you're like oh okay this is where I'm supposed to go so rather than trying to kind of force that that round peg in the square hole you know I'm super happy doing what I'm doing it sounds like you're pretty much the same absolutely absolutely well coach the the other big uh... I would assume shocking thing to most people, and it, it was to me, is, you know, you go to Kansas to be a, a running back, and then you, you change schools, and all of a sudden, now you're an offensive lineman. Uh, how did uh, how'd that change go, and, and how'd that go about when they came up to you and said, hey, uh, you know, you're running back at Kansas, but um, now get your butt on the offensive line. Well, I'll be honest with you. I kind of I knew it was going to come because, you know, I'm not – I'm, so I'm at the time I was like six two, about two twenty when I played when I played running back. And my father actually played for the Redskins for two years, played left guard. And um, I'm the smallest person in my family, so they all think I'm anorexic, you know. And I like, you know, and, and so the genetics. I was fighting genetics, you know, and I knew like I knew I was. You know, get real. I ran like a four, a handheld four seven. You know, and I'm like, that's not a college running back. So I kind of swallowed my pride. And when they asked me, we had a bunch of linemen go down, and they asked me if I would play like their weak side guard. You know, the pulling guard. And I said, you know what, I will. And it's just to be honest, I fell in love with it. I, I fell in love with offensive line. I fell in love with the fact that you know I've heard that statement a million times. There's nothing like moving a man against his will. That I fell in love with that. You know, I just, I just enjoyed the chess match that is a line, and I fell in love. And it was, it was hard at first, ego shot to say the least. Um, but, but I found my niche, and to me, you know, I, once I, once I, once I followed my pride, I've enjoyed it. I love it. I'm a fat guy at heart. Um, and I believe it or not, when I had my last knee surgery, I was 351, no, 352 pounds when I got wow. on, when I got on the journey. Yes. Played center. Um, I was, uh, what was I at the time? I was in Iowa playing for the Steam Wheelers. Arena. I was playing arena ball. And uh, I said, you know what? I'm done. And so 
believe it or not, actually two years ago, I did a physique competition winning 198 World Battle Stage. That tells you how much my body has changed in the past 10 years. Holy shnikes. It's like a, it's like a, sine, it's like a sine wave, man. Dang. Yeah, nobody believes me. I play a line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Well, especially, you know, coming from running back, you're 220. So then you make the big jump up 90 pounds, like you said, and then you get up to 350 and now back down to, uh, to the 100s. I'm sure that was a, a big change, uh, you know, a couple big changes for you. What were some things you did uh, to try to put on the weight? You know, you first find out, okay, you're going to play guard for us now and you bought in but you weigh 220 pounds. So what's the first thing you start doing? Well, I'll tell you this. I had a, I had a GA, and his job was to wake me up and follow me to meals. <laughs> <laughs> that, poor, that poor coach hated my guts because he had to wake me up to take me to every meal, and he had to, like, basically so at the NAI level, we didn't have a training table. So what they did was they had him – he had a meal plan, and I had to follow that meal plan every day. And my head coach, God bless him, loved the man. Gave me his personal, like, you know, I don't know how legal this was. Gave me his personal credit card and said, you get one meal a, one meal a night on this. Allegedly. He, oh, per- he allegedly did yeah. that for you. He yeah. allegedly gave me a, yeah. And he basically <laughs> said, eat. Said, okay. So, well, in Baldwin City, the only place to eat at Baldwin City, Kansas. By the way, there was no stoplight when I was there. So, <laughs> no, there is not. So, I remember eating supersonic bacon double cheeseburgers with mayonnaise and no onions. Every night with a foot-long chili dog. <laughs> <laughs> Every night, man. There you oh, go. That's so, awesome, though. If, if you had one th- one thing to have in a town, though, if you have a Sonic, yes, please. Oh, yeah. That poor, those poor people are like, would you like the same thing, Mr. Caduti? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the Caduti. Pronto. <laughs> <laughs> it was a dream come true. I'm a regular at Sonic. <laughs> But yeah, I was eating. I think I, that first year it was like ten thousand calories a day. It was, oh, it was stupid. Yeah, it was stupid. I, in fact, I, there was. I know for a fact I was eating so much chicken that I, I, there was about two years where I wouldn't eat chicken because <laughs> I was. Just, I made me sick to look at it. Oh man! So then, okay, so let's go the other direction. Then, how'd you end up trying to, to chop all of it? So you, you get done with your career, you're three fifty two. And now you're chopping, what, 160 pounds almost to get to 198? Well, yeah. So when I got to 198, that was a special, rare occasion. Of, <laughs> I look like a cancer patient. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, you know, but I, honestly, I got down. I, I'm about, I hovered about 220 to 240, depending on the holiday. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, honestly, I did it, man, based on, like, I just stopped eating like a fatty. Uh, my, wife is, my wife is super fit, always has been like to inform me every time I leave town to go give a talk or something that she fell in love with me and married me when I was fat. So remember who loves you. <laughs> <laughs> you, get, you, so, you're kinda, you kind of gave her a treat. You were fat and now you're the, you're the skinny good oh, yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah, that's what I told her. I was like, I was like most guys go downhill. I went up, I just got better, baby. <laughs> that's a good investment you, know, you made. That's what I'm telling you. I said, you, you bought in, you bought in. <laughs> So honestly, I just stopped eating. I stopped eating those massive quantities. It's it's hard, man. I come from an Italian family. My family's immigrants, you know. So, you know, my grandmother's name is Olga, and she barely speaks English. The only time I ever see her, it's she thinks I'm anorexic, and she's trying to force feed me food, <laughs> you know. And, and so, you know, I stopped eating like that. I started watching. I started counting calories. I did it all, man. Low carb for a while. Uh, 
I did the HCG diet for a month. That was crazy. Um, 400 calories a day. Jeez. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was miserable, dude. And then, uh, <laughs> but on, I found I found CrossFit. That was kind of a big thing. I found CrossFit and started competing actually pretty heavily for about three years hmm. um, until I started realizing that I, I still hurt from all the injuries and everything else before. Sure. Um, I remember vividly, this is no joke, when I first met my wife, I ran my first 5K, and I was my second year playing, and I was 324 pounds when I ran my first turkey trot, and I ran the entire thing. Mm. I'll never forget it, and she she was, we had just gotten together, and she kind of talked me into it, and I remember I couldn't walk for three days because my feet hurt so bad. <laughs> That's unreal. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's not fun. Um, I I just lost you know quite a bit of weight too, and and I did it with the the all meat diet. So um, I, I kind of feel where you're coming from, but but that's awesome to hear, Coach. You you mentioned right coming from an an immigrant family. Um, you know, as, as your grandparents coming over, I b- believe you said so. Um, what I've kind of seen and noticed, and and maybe it's not true at all, but just kind of from what I've seen is um, a lot of people that come from immigrant families that are close to them. Um, they for whatever reason, seems to have a, a an extremely hard work ethic. Um, I don't know, you know, did you notice maybe some of that coming from your family or, or you know, coming over and, and uh, bringing that hard work, et- work ethic with them? Or, or is that something that you've ever noticed? Yeah, you know, it, uh, it's kind of funny. You know, my, actually, my father was the one that came over. So, oh, wow. You know, first generation. Yeah, and uh, my father, they, my grandparents moved from Italy to escape. Mussolini in World War Two, and then they moved to Argentina. And then my, my dad was born and raised in Argentina and came here in high school. Um, so I was born here, and yeah, you know what? It, I hear the stories of my, you know, my grandfather used to tell me about what he had to do to become a citizen and all the work he had to go through, and you know I, how we, you know, machine shops and welding and the the things that they did to try to make to make you know put food on the table for my family, and, and that's kind of how I was raised. And my father is. My father is 63 years old and is the vice president of a manufacturing company in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and has no intention of any retiring anytime soon. <laughs> you know, and and my you know my cousins are work. Everyone's a worker in my family, and I kind of took that to football as well. I mean, to be honest with you, I've actually had to slow down so that I don't take it home with me, so I have more time with my family. And it's, been, it's a conscious effort I have to make, and. I think, honestly, that's really, like you said, I think it comes from the family, the culture I was raised in. Like, you just work for what you get, and you just do what you do. This is what you do. So, you might be right. Actually, I didn't think about that. But, yeah, that's a good point. I love that. You know, I love hearing that, and and just because I believe so much in in hard work. And so, um, that's really cool to hear and and how everyone is – is still working. And, and I've ran into that as well, you know, not, not being able to stop work at work and bringing it home. Is that something that it's more recent that you did, or have you always done that since you, since you started having a family or is that something that you had to dial back once you kind of noticed it? Man, to be honest with you, when I was a head coach, I had, a, I had one daughter when I was a head coach and I remember taking it home with me. Parents would call me at home. My wife would look at me and she's like, Hey, this is our time. And I just remember just vividly having to sit down and like consciously think about, I'm not going to do this to my family. I'm not, I'm going to make sure that I, when I'm here, I'm mentally here, you know, not just checked out. And, you know, they, uh, so when I moved down here, I made it, a, I made it, moved to Texas. I made it an, an effort that I was going to 
you know, allow certain times. If I was going to watch film at home, it was going to be when everyone was asleep uh, before they get up or after they go to bed. Um, and so I've kind of try, I try to stick to that as much as I possibly can. Uh, because I mean, I want to, I want to spend time with my daughters. I want my kids to grow up, and I want them to know that dad was always there and hanging out as a part of their life. And you know, I just, I think, like you said, it was kind of those things I had to really think about. And I, to this day, I will still, because I'll get caught up. I'm probably sure. like you guys do. I mean, you know, you guys, yeah. you guys work your butts off, and you know, you get caught up in like you know, a week four games to win this game, and just you're looking for something and you need something, and. You know, and all of a sudden you just look up and you're like, I, I don't need to do this right now. I need to spend time with my kids. You know, this is going to be there when I, when I come back. So that was kind of what we had to do. And my wife, my wife and, I, and I, she keeps me accountable. You know, it's kind of a, hey, can, can we sit down? Can we have family time? Absolutely. So when I get home, my phone goes on silent for an hour. That's our rule. Hmm. I, guys like you guys like you guys that have families I mean you know I'm, I'm married but you know she doesn't want to have kids I don't want to have kids so you know my, my brother's got three daughters you know Harper's got two kids I know you got kids I mean you guys are kind of kind of my heroes and mentors for being able to do that because I don't think there's be any way that I could I mean it's <laughs> it's it's honestly hard enough so I mean it's 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 tough for me I mean I'm, I'm always able to to bring this stuff home and and work on it and I got a wife who's really really you know, cool about it. She's super independent as well. But, you know, I've always admired guys who were really, really good coaches, got their stuff done, but then they had, you know, a way to compartmentalize it. And, you know, when it's time to be dad, it's time to be dad. So I think that's awesome, man. I love to hear those stories. I tell you, that's the tough Absolutely. one. That's the tough one for me, especially with the, uh, you know, a little bit of an addictive personality where you get caught on one thing. It's like, you can't think of anything else. I mean, it's just like, yeah. even if you're like, okay, I'm going to set my phone down. I'm going to spend this hour with my family. You know, you're trying to, but still it's like something's just tugging on your shirt the whole time. Uh, you know, that, that one thing that you, it's almost like, okay, I just got to do it. And then, and then I'll stop thinking about it. But you know, that's the kind of parts that, that seem difficult for me. And then, uh, but, but that's something that I'm trying to work towards as well. But I think that's a great idea, you know, come home the first hour phones up and, and not looking at it. Right. I mean, I, same boat. You know, I get caught up and I start thinking about, it. I mean, heck, some of the, I won't even lie to you, probably like you, I'm some of the best things I've ever come up with at like two o'clock in the morning. I was laying in bed. I'm like, no kidding. Why did I think about that four hours ago? Yes. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Yeah, dude, late, late at night. The other, the other one for me is when I'm in the bathroom. I don't know what it is. You just think of stuff when you're sitting on the toilet or something like that. It's like, oh my God, I got it. You know? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Personal time. It's That's not. Right. It's it's nice to have too. I mean, you know, with, with things like Huddle and and so much technology now, you know, and, and UGA coach. I mean, it was brutal because you had to stay at the office to get that stuff done. And now, it's super easy just to be able to take that home. And it's like you said, hey, get some family time, and then okay, when everybody's tucked away or in bed, now I could kind of get to it and, and knock some of that stuff out. It makes life way better. Yes, it does. It has helped a lot. Yeah, well, Walls, you just got the new the new TV and or the new HDMI cord, so now you're watching it on the big uh, 50, 60 inch, right? Yeah, it's super nice when you get the uh, the MacBook, and now I'm watching it on my 65 inch uh, OLED. Yes, oh, that's life, phenomenal. <laughs> life is life is much better now, so I can actually sit in the man cave, you know, kind of flip back and forth between uh, TV and then doing film. So I think I've knocked out four games already today. So it's been fun. No kidding. What are you guys watching right now? Are you guys watching college games or previous games you coached in or what? 
Yeah, we got – well, we run a, a no-huddle up-tempo scheme, so we're pretty lucky. We got to uh, to go to Nebraska and learn from the UCF guys. So, oh, uh, man, but that was awesome. Yeah, uh, allegedly I got some film from them, and uh, – <laughs> We uh, we've been we've been breaking all of those games down. So honestly, it's uh it's been it's been unbelievable. We're lucky because our our head coach actually coached with like five guys on staff. So I mean, when no they're at, when, when they were at Northern Iowa. So I mean, it's like he's he's first name basis. They come out and they, I mean, we go out to eat with the whole staff. I mean, it's it's awesome. It's legit. So I'm taking advantage of that. My, so now during my spring break, my I'm just sitting there studying. high right now. <laughs> <laughs> So that's kind of what I've been doing. I don't know. Coach Harper's big, a little bit big, I think, more on some North Dakota State stuff right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching the North Dakota State stuff, and we got some uh, Georgia. And then, um, you know, I, I try to watch quite a bit of NFL film just because I, I've got it all. I've got it with that NFL All Access or whatever it's called. So um, right. I get all the, the butt shot and stuff. So, I, you know, NFL film maybe is not necessarily my favorite, but um, I get all the film from it. And then, you know, the few colleges that we get, We've got an offense coordinator, Coach Wilkinson. He always um, finds a way somehow that in, in huddle, all of a sudden we got 18 new games from different colleges. So whatever he's throwing in there, I'm looking at. That's awesome, man. That's that's great. I think right now my thing I'm getting into is I'm a big wide zone guy. That's kind of what my – that's my baby. And so I I've been, I watch that. I watch guys that do it. Um, right now I'm breaking down the entire Eagles season. Um, there you go. Because we – we do a lot of things similar to what they do, even like their RPO scheme, you know, their fake RPO scheme and that stuff. And I'm really into, um, and there's two other things. I'm really into Oklahoma State. So Coach Henson and I talk quite a bit, quite a bit because he's a big wide zone guy as well. He's sure. a good dude. Um, yeah, he's a great dude, and he's helped me quite a bit. And we and I have shared ideas, and he's awesome. And so I've, I've watched a couple of those games. And then, to be honest with you, the high school film I watch, I watch guys in the area, but I watch Trinity, uh, Trinity Shamrocks out of Louisville, Kentucky. Hmm. Um, they're offensive that's coordinator. That's Coach Coverdale, Coverdale, right? Coverdale. Yeah, Coverdale and I are pretty we're good friends, and he is a phenomenal man and a great teacher. And to be honest with you, it's like a beautiful mind watching him coach football. Um, he, I mean, if you ever if you ever get bored, just look him up and just watch the things that he does. How like I've watched him change his offense from year to year based upon who he has and getting the ball. And I mean, that man is. I have a lot of respect for him. Um, to be honest with you, I hope that I can be as good of a coach as he is one though. But he's the man. And so, I, you know, he and I have talked, and we'll, we'll exchange film back and forth, and I'll watch stuff, and I'll call him and be like, dude, what are you doing here? Explain this to me. You know, and he'll, he'll, he has no problem. He'll tell me anything I want to hear. You know, guys like that are, would make the profession such a great thing because you can just share and, and learn. And that's my thing. Those are the three things I'm on right now. So. He, he's a stud, man. I, he, that was the first book I ever bought when I was learning that I knew I wanted to coach was, was his, his book about bunch offense. So I remember his, really? yeah, the, that was the, the first book that I ever bought. And I just always remember, I'm like, Oh, it's Andrew Coverdale. Okay. But ever since then, I've always been, I've always had at least, you know, a bunch package or a, a compressed package, no matter what, but it was all based on coach Coverdale. I never had a chance to meet him, you know, tweeted him a couple of times. That's about it. But, that guy for me was yeah. was was a huge yeah. influence on me early on. Well, it's a funny story. So the like, so when I came to Beaumont, the guy that I took his job is now the defensive coordinator at Trinity in Louisville with Coverdale. 
And so I had that connection there with them because the, some of the former coaches on the staff at Beaumont are still friends with him. And he's done a really good job at Trinity. But, you know, on the speaking circuit in Glacier, uh, Coverdale and I seem to always be in the same spots. In fact, so he and I probably have – we probably have shared more Vegas or Reno buffets and late-night pizza <laughs> joints than you could ever imagine just talking ball. And, and to be honest with you, I'm, it's, I'm in awe just while, you know, around him. I, I guess I never realized how, like, big of a deal he was until about a year ago. And I started going, man, you're a dude. Like, you're a dude. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're the guy people want to be like. I'm here eating pizza and you're like, I'm like, no. <laughs> Coach, have you have you watched? Have you started looking at any of that uh, OSU with with Henson? Uh, we've talked to him a little bit, and they're running that outside zone, but they're doing it lead outside zone lead, but with the the H back uh, backside. Uh, have you guys looked at that? Are you guys running any of that? It's it's not really you yeah. know blocking backside. It's like he's weak and he and he's flowing all the way over front side. Yeah, so it's really it's it's in I'm beyond you know Alex Gibbs will really roll over if I you know if anybody call it outside zone. And uh and honestly that's kind of the guy who we learned it from and that's kind of I learned it from and you know, so we run a very same similar system and uh yeah, we, we did a lot of that. We actually did a lot of it out of a diamond and um different formations. and we yeah, we got into the insert with our insert off of what the tackles were and uh, we've actually had some fun, man. Well, you know, that, to be honest with you, I, I, I told people this, you know, when I clinic and people don't believe me, we ran the ball 287 times this year and 230 were wide zone. Hmm. Um, and so, or some version of it. And so, you know, we find different ways to, you know, mask it, you know, things like that. I mean, we've even had, we've even had fun where we just don't even like, for example, you know, how he inserts that B-gap player right. or that B-back, we, we'll stay on double teams if like that. He's just whipping our butt. John say, all right, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna stay on this double team, run him off the end zone camera, and the insert guy's gonna go crash the middle line himself. And it almost looks like yeah. a wide zone ISO. Um, and, it's, and stuff like that have been really successful. Young yeah, coaches, man, they do a great job. Man, Oklahoma State is fun to watch. <laughs> Coach, yeah, what, with the the wide zone, is that something you know you kind of picked up maybe through you know professional careers? That stuff you picked up in a clinic, you know? Did you did you study from Alex Gibbs? I mean, what kind of puts you on the wide zone as, as being kind of your your baby and your bread and butter? So I've always been an inside inside zone guy, yeah. But when we played, you know, professionally, I mean, that is the majority of the NFL teams. That is like their play. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of people don't run inside zone anymore. They run wide zone. Um, the guys that are big in it right now, Falcons, you know, any Shanahan stuff, Peterson's going to run it. Um, the Falcons are into it. But, yeah, so we everyone ran it, and everyone kind of knew. And I've always been I've always been a guy into it. And then the head coach, I could go for now, um, he is a true and through guy. In fact, he about scratched himself like a crackhead if I pull anybody. And uh, <laughs> it's a true story, man. And I had to have dissertation with him about why we need to run dark every once in a while <laughs> and uh but you know what he's he bought it, but he's a wise and he knows like he knows it like the back of his hand and that's helped as well so we've actually so probably the past three years he and i have we have we're wide zone guys it's what we do um it's what i do and i believe in it and so we've kind of what I've done is I've realized that this is my thing and this is what I want to do and I want to better myself so I know it's about learning who does it? Who does it well? What kind of differences they do? Um, the ones I'm really interested in right now is North Carolina State. I want to go meet those guys because they have done a great job with it um, and what they do boot, boot and keep her off of it. 
So it's one um, of the nice nice things about the play now. I mean, it used to just be, you know, I mean, of course, Gibbs, you know, staunch under center. We're never going to fumble a handoff. We'll never toss it, you know. But the oh, only play, yeah. the only play you could kind of run off of it was the naked, you know. So it, it yeah. makes it it makes it kind of nice now because more and more teams are running it from the shotgun. Well, now you're seeing the RPO evolution of it. You're seeing people big the backside. You're seeing people fold and wrap the backside, keep it with the QB. So, I mean, it, it's gotten to be a lot more, I don't know. It's I guess more the, of a versatile ser- play than it used to be. Yeah, the series has gotten a lot bigger for, for a, a lot of these offenses now that most of these teams are in the shotgun. So, it's some great stuff, yeah, man. Absolutely. I, I like absolutely. that you say, um, you know, and, and I kind of learned outside zone from Gibbs. He actually – I played for, for his uh, son – his son was defensive coordinator no in Houston while I was there. Um, and I was young, dumb, and I had no idea who he was. You know, I think he even, he even came up uh, to practice a couple times. And our offensive line coach. No kidding. Yeah. Offensive <laughs> line coach is geeking out. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, dude. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, little little that I know. Yeah, that's exactly right. Some, some dumb college kid at, at some, you know, mid-major school. But, uh, you know, um, yeah, played for his – his uh, son was a defense coordinator, and he came through a few times. But, um, you know, obviously that's how, how I kind of learned all my stuff was through his, through his videos and different things. And one of the things that he says, and, you know, it sounds like you do it, but a lot of people don't. You know, everyone says, oh, we're going to run zone like Gibbs. And the very first thing he says in almost every one of his videos is, hey, this has to be your play. You have to run this every day. Yeah. It's going to be the only thing you do. And it's like people – completely don't pay any attention to that and then they just say okay everything else we're going to run it just like Gibbs did it but we're going to run it a couple times you know and you're right and to be honest with you when people ask me about doing it I say the first thing I have to tell you is it's to me it's very much like veer you have to marry yourself to it yes it's what you do it's who you are because in reality you know it's it's so simple, but it, it takes so much time to, to learn it, to understand it, to feel it. You know, it's not a, here's the hole, hit it. It's a feel and see and understand how the flow works. And I think people, people want to dabble. You know, people want to have a collection of plays they like and they see. And I think that people struggle with just having a system. You know, I respect Coach Johnson, Georgia Tech, because he's a system guy. You know, right. he's this is what he does. He's a flex bone, veer, midline, freeze option guy. That's what he's going to do. And he, but he knows it like the back of his hand. And, you know, he has an answer for everything. And that's, that's kind of how I treat this. And I, when I have coaches that come on staff with me, I say, guys, it's nothing personal. I like on our offenses, you know, but for me, I know it. I know the system. I know I have answers. Like, I mean, I, I run it so many times that I mean, I've probably seen just about anything you could do to it. Um, and I, and we have answers for it. So to me, I'm, that's what I like. And I think, like you said, people want to dabble. They don't want to marry themselves to the system, and that's where they get in trouble. Coach, I know you're the, you're the strength guy down there too. So, again, I'm always interested, you know, when, when Gibbs and those guys were running in the NFL, they, they grabbed a different type of lineman. Is that something you guys are, are also kind of graduating to? Hey, we want to have almost more like tight end looking guys. You know, they, they might be a little bit bigger, but they're long, athletic, or at least – you know, they can run and they can overtake. Is that one of the you things you're doing with your offensive line? <laughs> yeah. So, I'll be honest with you, and everywhere I've ever been, I'm sure you guys have the same issue. I mean, everywhere I've ever been, the offensive line has always been under – we've always been overmatched. No matter where I go, some, yes. for some reason, the O-line never 
ballers. Now, when I say this, at Westbrook and Beaumont, one year I had I had a kid who's starting right tackle at A&M right now, and he was a man-child. But the other four were just, you know, they were good. They were football players. They weren't great. Um, and when we came to Tomball this year, kind of like, you know, we came in late. And it was one of those things. You know, a bunch of my, to be honest with you, my offensive line, my right tackle was actually a tight end. Um, my right guard, um, well, one of the right guards was, uh, I think he was like a running back. My center was like 190 pounds. Um, my left tackle, like, was a defensive end. We converted. So these guys weren't typical O linemen. And we, I basically said, I need the five meanest, most athletic dudes that people, you guys can spare, and I'll make an O line out of it. And that's really what happened. And so, like, this year, um, you know, I had, I'll be honest, this is crazy. Um, so my, my head coach brought this stat to me. He goes, we never had the same offensive line in, ten, in two weeks straight. Like, we never even had the same one. Every week was a different offensive line. Um, someone was moved, someone changed because we, everyone was getting hurt or we were trying to move people around to get the better. And so, um, so this year we ran for 3,000 yards. Um, with basically four O linemen that never played O line before. <laughs> That's gonna um, make you proud. And, <laughs> well, and you know, honestly, and I'll be honest, if people talk about it in clinic films, I was I was in Chicago this week and talking about it, and the guy's like, "Let's talk. Why does he touch anybody?" And I was like, "Exactly. Let's let his play can be successful. I don't have to maul people." And my left tackle runs, and the kid runs with him, and we stay, we we stay play side nipple, and we keep our backhand heavy, and and we got a chance. And, and yeah, yeah, we we weren't athletic kids, and if I had to make a prototypical O line for what we need, you know, my tackles are usually not the best ones. My tackles are usually the weaker O linemen because they don't have to do as much, and um, my center is usually a kid that can run um, and is fairly intelligent. But my guards are usually the big kids because they have to actually physically move people. Um, center is always going to have help. Tackles are always pretty much washing people out or cut blocking somebody. So, you know. It, be honest with you, yeah, it, it, it's not the typical line. It's not the typical formula people have. You know, the big left tackle and the quick guard. I'm the complete opposite. So, and I'm going to try something different. Uh, there's a coach, uh, that, the offensive coordinator, Mansfield Legacy, right in Dallas, uh, is a good is a friend of my head coach and a friend of mine. And he actually is a big wise guy. Flip flops his O line, strong and weak. And I think we're going to dabble with that this spring. I'm excited about trying that out. So, you know, these two guys are only going to work on freaking play side, you know, running run as hard as I can. The back side is a bunch of cutters and, and folders. So I'm like, hey, even better. Just get really good at one thing. So we're going to try it out, see how it works. I love that. That's a good idea. We we did a little bit of that this year. Now, we didn't run any wide zone. We, we tried a little bit of, of uh, you know, we call it outside zone or whatever, but um, uh-huh. again, kind of dabbled in it. So it was never a good play for us. We were more, you know, big guys. So gap scheme kind of kind of uh kind of a thing but we had some injuries and we we got to flip-flop some a little bit and honestly it was fun like you said you know you get really good um at every different thing that can happen with your play side guys and you get really good with your backside guys being backside guys and they sold me on it like you said that's exactly why i'm like you don't even really thought about it that way you know and all i thought about was well what about the tendencies well it's my job to break tendency that's why i'm a coach sure you know let these kids yeah. let these kids get good at something you know and I mean, and I've seen you guys at Broken Air. You guys are not exactly small people. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we're lucky. We got some. We got some big kids. And this year, you know, we just did our matches, and we we had some really big 
uh, you know, we got a great, great weight room. And so uh, it's really helped out and our strength coach is great. So we've got some big kids and we're, we're able to run some gap scheme stuff. And, but, but we're with it, you know, pretty much like you guys are with wide zone. It, it's what we do. And so, um, you know, it's absolutely. And, and we've bought into that. And so um, that's one of the biggest things, you know, we try to get into other things, but try to say, you know, whatever our system is, let's roll with our system and, and let's go with that. Um, but we did, we get to flip, flipping back and forth and it, it makes it fun because those guys get really good at it. And then, like you said, if we need to break a tendency, we can break that um, as coaches. You, you talk about on the backside that, that you cut on wide zone, which is what, something I like. You don't see that very much in Oklahoma because you can't cut on the second level, which is uh, right. the craziest rule ever to me. But um, can't cut at the second level. So a lot of guys just won't even cut at the first level. But uh, what I was going to say is cutting at the first level, defensive lineman, I don't think it's coached you know, very well or, or very often at the high school level. What – what are some coaching points that you guys use when you are cutting on the backside? Is there footwork or is there certain things that you try to get through and, and how do you guys coach that up? Yeah. So, you know, we split, we split our line. So basically our running backs are, we have a front side group that works front side only. And the, those three guys are working front side blocking and the running backs working on the read. The back side, they're doing nothing but, but cut blocking. So, you know, this is like the left side is doing nothing but cut. We're going to work our cut blocks. And to be honest with you, like you said, a lot of people don't do it. Now, I know Oklahoma has NFHS rules, right? Yes. Is that what you guys are? Yeah. So yeah. you guys are allowed to cut within your first initial movement, if I'm correct. Right. Yes. Yep. So, you know, so what we do, and so like even in Missouri, we did it. And uh, Coverdale at training does it as well. Cut, and he'll actually, he'll actually fold block and cut off the fold. So yeah. he'll actually cut right off the line. Like cut the three with the guard, wrap the tackle in really quick, yep. um, and and we'll do that too. But for us, what we've taught our kids is we aim. I'm an aiming point guy, so play side, front side. We're looking play side nipple, backside cutters. We're looking play side nipple. And basically, what we're going to do is we're going to read your feet. And I was, as I take my first step in your play side kneecap, my step's going to take me to your kneecap. We're, we're trying to get our eyes to your thighs. And what we're going to do is if you take a step away from me. So if you step away, we tell our guys you got three steps to get them down. So you have you're sprinting for three steps. If that man steps into you, then immediately you're cutting and rolling. So that's kind of how we teach the different like cutting at width and cutting at a guy who's on the line on you right now. We're teaching that initial cut on the line of scrimmage. Now, linebacker wise, we're teaching the same thing, but what we're doing is we're saying watch the you're watching. So for example, give you an example. Let's say I have a, a backside one, and it's a left guard, left tackle, backside one. We're both going to try to rip through that left that, that one, and we're going to try to get to the back to the linebacker. And what we're going to do is we're going to tell our guard, we're going to tell our tackle, you're both going to read the, the foot of that one. If that one goes play foot plays goes play side, guard, you're cutting them down right now, tackling to the linebacker at the same exact angle through the through the new top of that one shade. And that's how you're going to you're going to stay on that pass to get where you need to get. If that kid comes at you or goes straight at all, tackle is going to try to overtake him three steps, cut him at the play side knee, and then the, the guard is then going to wash him. He's going to bring himself up at the same exact angle, play side knee. So we try to keep it real simple um, for us. Our guys that read feet, you see flow to the play. You know the backside guys got it. You see flow to you. You know the. Uh, and you got it. So it's, we try to keep it pretty simple. And we use the, you know, those little donuts they have, the tackling donuts. Yeah. You know, uh, we use the crap out of those things, man. And I'm, we even make it a game. We even have like a race. We'll see who can get it down the fastest. 
Really? So I'll be like, I'll be two yards away. So like, I'll be, so I'll have a guard, a tackle set up, and we'll have two of them set, like almost, just almost like inside shade of both of them. And we have two coaches, and they're both, as soon as I blow the whistle, we're rolling those things as we can. And we get those kids at a sprint, and it teaches them how to run at the angle those kids are running at. And so we're going to cut them down that way. And we actually have a race. And we have like a little championship on like Tuesdays. I forgot what day it was. And we'll do it that way. The kids love it, man. But for us in Texas, the one thing I'll say, and that's what I tell everyone, the hashes and the cut blocking is what makes the world different. Hmm. What are some of the things you do off of that then, Coach, uh, as far as to, to protect your outside zone play? Some of the stuff that you say, you know, as a play caller that, that you've learned. I mean, don't, you don't have to give away all your secrets, but what would you say maybe one or two things that are, are really, really good for you? You know, we've got a couple things, you know, obviously, the, the naked boot keeper. Um, everyone does that. You know, if we see a crash in the end real hard, we're going to naked boot keep that thing. Um, we do RPO quite a bit, um, but most of our RPOs are, are pre-snap. Um, I don't like post-snap RPOs because I think a lot of defenses have started to figure it out, and they started yep. to pattern match pretty quick and give you false leads. We, we pre-snap our RPOs, um, and so we do a lot of that. Um, the other thing we, we kind of get into is we fold block a little bit, um, and we'll do a couple things like that a little different. I'm trying to think some of those stuff. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, uh, the big thing for us is we've gotten really good at play actioning and running the keeper off of it and just hitting double move option range. So my passing game background is all run and shoot. So that's yep. what everything I do is based on running some concepts. Seam reads, streak reads, that's what we do. So we're running deep play action shots. They're actually option routes, so yep. you know that's how we protect it. So we'll get a diamond, and we'll, we'll we'll kill people with some with some wide zone, and we'll run a little screen off of it here and there, and then all of a sudden we'll hit a keeper with it, and you know we've got one receiver basically you know very Baylor esque, receiver running a deep option route concept, and you know our kids know what they can and can't do, and you know so if our if our receiver's setting it up, our quarterback knows he can't run that route, but setting up the next one, and. Um, that keeps safeties that keeps safeties from just creeping in the box because in reality, wide zone the things they're going to get to are going to be safeties and the safeties and the outside linebacker play side. Those yep. are really the things you have to worry about. And if you can account for those things, you've got a chance. So we'll do a lot of that. And to be honest with you, the other thing we do a lot of we get an empty a lot because a lot of people have empty checks. And uh, what we'll do is I, if I know your checks, then I, I then I can. I can tell you what you're going to do before you do it. And, you know, I've got control of the game at that point because most people have, what, two or three empty checks. So what we'll do is we'll get an empty and then we'll motion the guy in really quick just to see what your, just to see what your check is. And then we'll run our play exactly based on what your check is. So I can cut the three or I can get where I want you at or I can get where you're trying to roll. So that's the other thing we do is we get an empty a lot to stop the double A gap, stop the crazy stunts, and to stop the RPO blitz stuff people run. So. That's great. That's what that's what was one of Walls' big things when he was here at Broken Arrow. I'm sure it's something he still does. But um, you know, there, there's de- there's certain formations and, and empty being one of them, and certain shifts or motions that uh, defenses can only carry so many checks into a game with. And and so you Absolutely. get those early or often, and and you kind of have a beat on what they're gonna gonna do. Yeah, Every, everyone. It, it it helped our kids. It did. It helped our kids. It helped us. It helped, you know, we, we played a team this year, Huntsville, that had had a three a power five D linemen, and we had a, oh, trust me, we're about to face, 
We got three more on the season this year. We got three more teams we're facing with three or more power five D linemen. And so we've got so anyways, to nullify them, I knew if I went empty, I knew how to get them in threes and fives. And we got I me, mean, we freaking cut the crap out of those kids the first quarter. And by the second, third quarter, they pretty much stopped playing hard. Sure. And that did. was really a big thing. And it gave our kids hope because, man, we walked out there. I was like, I thought I was going to play the University of Alabama, man. I mean, those dudes were huge. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, well, that's going to be a rough night. <laughs> we go in empty, and then they check into what they're going to check into. And the kid's like, Coach, you're right. I'm like, well, so, all right, we're right. Now let's roll. So, it, you know, it does. It nullifies a lot of the crazy stuff that people do. And, you know, we just happened to fall into it. I'm, I'm glad we did. I had a great coach that kind of helped us do that on our staff. And, you know, I'm, I'm, we've got some good coaches, man. I'm pretty happy with our guys. I love our staff. It's it's funny too because I mean that's when you when you get around like really good defensive guys that's one of the first things they talk about. Okay, we're, we're going to teach an empty check a day. So like when I was yeah. at, at Augustan, I I never even thought of it. You know, you know, young coach getting into it, and that's what what they would have, and it would just be some crazy call. They had fun crazy calls for for empty, and that's what they would say every every single series. They'd be hey if, if empty check for this series is walleye. You know, empty check for this series is minor. You know, so they had five or six checks. You never knew which one it was going to be. So, and that's still a lot, man. That's a lot. That's awesome. That's impressive. Yeah, but the but that was one of the things they talked about. So I mean, you know, normally everyone's defending. Okay, I'm going to try to take away what they do well. Well, they would yes, they'd worry about that, but they'd also have their empty checks, and they'd also have all of their unbalanced checks. So the same that's kind the of deal. other thing we'll do is yeah, get yeah. unbalanced yep. because they, they have to show their hand at that point. Yes. You know, and, and the other thing is, you know, we'll do the stuff. Well, we'll just send our running back out to outside receiver, and we'll just motion yep. him in, and I can tell you exactly what you're going to be at that point. And I think our quarterback has gotten the form where he's figured that out himself. Like, if I say, Coach, I'll just send him out there, and I can figure out the defense. <laughs> this is why you're the starting quarterback. Good for yeah. you. <laughs> oh, oh, the guy ran with him. It's man-to-man. Oh, they bumped. Okay, yeah. it's on. <laughs> it's crazy. I, and the kids are like, Coach, you ran with them. Yeah, man. Now you know. Now you know how to beat it. <laughs> Coach, one of the, the tough ones. One of the tough ones with wide zone uh, for me has always been, right, you're going 3-4 and you're going wide zone to the tight end. And so you have that four technique and the overhang. And like you said, play side linebacker is the one that gets you. So they kind of pinch or both play tight. And then um, normally it would be guard tackle, double into that linebacker. But when that overhang pinches in and that outside linebacker – inside linebacker plays over the top, you're kind of screwed. So, you know, we started trying to kind of teach it as a triple team, basically, to that guy. What, what are some things that you right. guys do to um, take advantage of that or, or try to, you know, not let them take advantage of you using that? What are some things you tell your tackle, and, and how do you guys uh, work with that? So, down here, the big thing that we see a lot of is the four eyes, three, four quarters read. I mean, do you guys see a lot of that? Ton, yes. Okay, so, and to be honest, like, so when I see that, and, you know, we see it so much that I get excited about it. So, for me, here's what we, here's what we do. For me, I know that the, the X factor, like you said, is that outside overhanging. So, what I'll do is I'll get into, like, a trips formation and motion the guy over, the tight end over, and he'll wing up. Because I know if I send him up and I wing him up, or even put him on the line, there's two things that are going to happen. One, you're either going to play him out there, and now I've got an edge. So what we'll do is we'll tell our tackle and guard, don't you worry about that outside linebacker. You two worry about four eyes to play side linebacker. And I'll, work, I'll tell that, I'll tell that, that 
tight end or wing back, I'll say, you got him. Just make sure he doesn't beat you inside. You don't even have to beat him. Just wall him. That's all I care about. Mm-hmm. And what we'll do is if he plays outside, we treat him like a soft corner. We tell our, we tell our, our running back, don't even read him. Read the defensive end. Read the four eye. Yep. And what that's, what that's done for us is it actually makes a really tight play. So if that kid is a late fold-in guy, then he never gets there in time because we're cutting that thing in secret and we're getting hard. Hmm. Um, so that's how we teach it. So, and then the other thing we'll do is if that kid walks down, then I know, I know for, I have, if I have a wide enough split with the number one receiver over there, I've got one-on-one legitimately because you've lost your, you've lost your alley defender and I, for any kind of access out there I've got. So what we'll do is we'll run a lot of pivot routes. Um, we'll run a lot of like just simple moves. We'll get that corner to push in. We'll get right back outside because there's nothing in the flat because you've walked your guy up and your safety guy play with a tight end. So we'll do a lot of that. Um, and the other thing we'll do is, again, I'll get by smacking down with it. We will uh, <laughs> we'll take that t- we'll take that tight end, and we'll actually take the tight we'll take the tight end, go straight to the inside linebacker, take the tackle straight to the four eye, knock him down. Take the guard, run G, and kick him out of the outside linebacker. Awesome. That's and actually we'll do the exact same thing. That's actually one of the things I was just watching, and I was texting Harper. I don't know if he got it or whatever I was talking. That's one of the things UCF was doing against the uh, the odd fronts they saw. UConn was running a bunch of it, so they were just G in the heck out of it. And they were actually yeah. in that with that backside four eye. They they were just they were a dummy pulling the the backside guard so they could RPO out the back door with it too. So you, had a, like so you had a G kick in the nine, and then you had the other guard go in the other direction. So if the quarterback did pull it, he had a, he had a lead blocker, or, or he could throw the oh. RPO to the two-man side on the backside. It was dirty. And it's almost like a straight influence, that backside linebacker, too. Yeah, and he, he, I awesome. mean, if that guy's a really good player, okay, hey, he made the play, but we should have something to, for him the next time. But I, I thought it was pretty cool just because it's a, a lot of you know, crazy moving parts, and it really wouldn't be that hard to teach. The other, well, the other thing we're getting into this spring, we're going to play with that. I know a lot of guys that there's a couple of friends of mine that are doing. And Andrew and I talked about it. Coverdale. It's basically if we see those four eyes and that two backers. If I see that, that I call it. I basically just call it the. It's the KD defense down here. It's the KD defense because they're the ones that are first landed <laughs> down here. Everyone calls it the KD defense. That's where I learned it from. Yeah. So what we said was okay. So anytime we see the KD defense, here's what we're going to do. We're, so let's say we're going we're gonna to run wide zone to the left. I'm going to be – I'm going to have like a, a tray look to the left. I'm going to have a wing over there on the left, okay, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to take both my guards and run them straight to linebackers like we're running wide zone left, and you're going to go cut those backers. And then we're going to take the – we're going to take the tackle on the right side, arc release to the outside linebacker, take the center, trap the defensive end out, take the backside, take the place to the left tackle, trap the nose guard, take the wing back, trap the D end. And we're going to run it just like we run wide zone. I'm saying this because everyone reads the, everyone reads the guards and that, that, the tackles in that defense. So what they know is that they see that guard go up or they see anything squeeze down, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to squeeze with it. So, I mean, and Andrew, Andrew's like, it's, a, it's amazing what it does because it creates it's a triple trap. It's like a triple influence trap. But we're going to run it just like wide zone. Just keep the same pass, keep your same read. If that kid gets washed down, stay in there. And we're going to do it that way. And it's nasty. <laughs> it uh, sounds like it. <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm like, hey, I can't wait for spring ball because I want to put that one in day two. <laughs> <laughs> well, Coach, we're, we're starting to get towards the end. So uh, kind of ask you the last question that, that I like to ask everybody. Um, 
you're watching film or you're watching another team that you're playing on a Friday night, you're watching their offensive line. Um, what's something that they would do that would make you think really highly of their offensive line coach? If I see, if I see them making communication calls at the front and they can change based on what they see, that impresses the crap out of me. And the other thing that impresses the crap out of me is that all five dudes are playing to the whistle. I love watching a lineman play to the whistle. And that, that's, I think that's a coach thing because linemen, I'm sure you know as long as I do, are lazy by nature. Man. <laughs> yes, they and are. And if you can get, and if you can get those kids to play with a little swag and a little extra, that means that you have coached your butt off, and that impresses me. And that's gonna do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy running the power, go get your shirt long sleeve or hoodie at runthepower.com also if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app this will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com follow me on twitter at harper underscore coach and coach walls at coach brady walls Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.